0: this is not your everyday podcast Um, I've launched it because of three reasons one we don't really talk about fear and I wanted to Basically, bring about a conversation to make it easier for people to discuss the problems that they go through. Because quite often, you know, through social media, etc., we only show our highlights, we only show our announcements, our reels, uh, like the best things about our life. But many of us struggle to get to success. But no one really talks about the, the what did they do to overcome their fit fa- their fears and their failures, and just to humanise leadership. Um, that the second point was about myths about leadership. A lot of you know, younger generation think that people who are successful now um, they didn't have to go through much and they became successful all of a sudden and that's not true Um, and then the third one is just about inspiration and and how to create change within your company, within your organisation and maybe you can talk a bit about you know the things that you've done to create change within the organisations that you've worked for. Um, Yeah and then I have some personal questions that we can talk about. So, um, number one, thank you very much for being a part of this um, interview, we are in the Houses of Parliament. Is that we correct? are indeed. Welcome. Thank you very much, uh, and what do you do and uh, what's your name?
1: Well let's start off with my name, so because <laughs> that positions it better. My name, my birth name is Michael John Hastings, yeah. but now my legal name is Lord. Hastings of Scarisbury, with a CBE added on at the end. And I changed status in 2005 when the Queen was kind enough to award me a peerage to the House of Lords, which is a permanent position within the Upper House of Parliament to enact for legislation, to question government, to raise themes and issues, to champion people's causes, uh, to enjoy and enjoying with the dialogue and debate of the House and the issues we discuss which range from mental health and disability right the way through to multilateralism, internationalism, the conversation at the moment around Brexit but let alone everything to do with Americanism and everything to do with (laughs) Chinism and everything to do with the Middle Eastism and the future of development in sub-Saharan Africa and then you come back to road issues in Wales and expenditures for Scotland and whether or not uh, in Northern Ireland criminal cases should have juries. The variety is endless, so uh, my life is a kind of complex web of Parliament, I'm non-political, I'm not a member of a political party, I don't take a particular political position, Um, I've never paid a penny to a political party, and I voted for the three major parties as it was, Conservative, Labour, Liberal, I voted for each one of them when I could vote, but now of course in the House of Lords we don't vote in national general elections, we're alongside people who are in prison and people who are contained in facilities for mental support are also members of the House of Lords, so we don't vote. Um, But that's I suppose because we get the joy of voting on the things that government does and is and the things that MPs put forward. So life is a complex web between Parliament, uh, business, I've been working with KPMG for 13 years and that has meant driving something from the start which was just a little germ of an idea and turning it into a global mechanism which is what it's become and uh, and creating an entity in every corner of the world where all of our businesses, offices, countries are respectful of the environment, understand their duties towards the community, are involved in learning and development, investment, have a commitment to lifelong education and uh, understand that they go way beyond just making the profit of the edge line of the business. Mm. And that's been a success and I'm thrilled about it. Uh, and then I work with Vodafone on the Vodafone Foundation Board, I'm a Chancellor of a university, Regents University, Regents Park, Vice President of UNICEF, President of Zain, which is Zimbabwe Aid Agency, Governor of Junior Achievement which is a worldwide education body and then I have a whole ton of wonderful brothers like you, (laughs) who I get to spend time with and share life with. That is amazing and you don't need to, I don't need
0: to tell you how amazing you are and I'm sure um, many people say the same thing, but I, I, I really want to um, take it back. Mm. So you've said so many things about what you do now and your accomplishments um, and your roles, but I, I watched an interview of you and somebody else, and you said that your mission in life is to be the voice to the poor and to articulate the case
1: for the poor. Mm. How did that come about? Well, so I've I believed now for the last, so I said it when I was 16 and now I'm in the, my early 60s, so you can do the maths. That's a good <laughs> account, to do the maths. Um, and for all those years, I believed exactly the same thing. I should speak for the poor, I should raise a voice for the poor and I should bend the power of the prosperous to the potential of the poor. Mm. And that means that my mind and my heart is orientated to where the most poor people are. Now at the moment that happens to be in sub-Saharan Africa, that's where the largest numbers of people living in extreme poverty, need and hunger are, somewhere between 800 and 900 million. It came about because a friend at school just said, Michael, what are you going to do with you? What What is going to be the important mission of your life? And I was 16 and uh, had I begun thinking about it, I'm not so sure, but at that, I remember at that moment when he said what's going to be the mission of your life and it just came out and it's because it was something I felt very profoundly that mm. I, um, I, I wanted to get into a place where I had a voice but also the opportunity to bend the power of the prosperous to the potential of the poor. So you make, make the poor dignify, as in present them as dignified people present the poor not as those in receipt of benefit or uh, somehow handouts, but rather the poor are the people who have the opportunity to be great, mm. they are the people who have the opportunity to be participant, they have the opportunity to be significant, <coughs> um, they have the opportunity to be free. And we have to reorientate how we think about economy, reorientate how we think about enterprise and business, reorientate how we think about resources, and make sure that we dignify the poor, and, and and that's why one of the things I feel very proud of that KPMG in the UK did, and we've begun to spread it around the world, was the creation of the living wage, and it meant you know, which is now UK governmental policy, and it just meant saying, well, just because somebody is working at a basic level doesn't mean to say they have to get the least possible. Mm. They has to get, they, they need to, earn what is going to allow them to live, to pay a rent or a mortgage, or to send their children to school with. Good shoes and clean clothes, and yeah. to make sure they can eat well rather than just eat stuff. You know, so li- a living wage is a dignified way of blessing people who find that they're not on the fast circle of big profit or the millions, but rather deserve the attention that the millionaires get.
0: Mm, that's very powerful. Um, there's two things that you mentioned. Um, in the same interview, mm. um, about a guy called Anthony. I don't know. I, I don't know his <laughs> surname, but already you're chuckling. And you said that he taught you two principles. One yeah. was belief. Yes, he encouraged you to um, well to, to believe basically he said he encourages those around him to learn to believe and you was around him and he encouraged you to believe Mm, mm. the second thing was every connection is important Mm. because the person is important so value people Mm, mm. talk to me about that so I I was 18
1: briefly uh, and Anthony must I think he was I think he was 32 at the time and I went to uh, as a young black man I went to a meeting in London asked by someone else I found I was the only non white person in a circle of about 25. I came in because I'd come from the north all the way down to London to this meeting. I was 10 minutes late. Came in through the door, sat in the corner of the table, and I remember looking across to the other side of the table, and there was this man smiling at me. I thought, I don't know who he is. Um, but anyway, he continued to smile at me, and when um, <clears throat> when the time was up, he came over, and he said, "Why are you here? Tell me about you." So I proceeded to tell me about you, and then we went and had a coffee together, and and that be- that was the beginning of a very important, significant, deep, and beautiful friendship. And here we are now, and I'm in my sixties, and he's in his seventies, uh, and here we are. We're still close friends. We still. Messaging 40 years on and so he, he taught me some very important things, he'd been in the military, he'd been in private business, I met his wife and his children and, <clears throat> and what, he <coughs> what he taught me was every time you meet somebody, you could be meeting an angel unawares. So if you are meeting them and you honour them, try to remember their name look at them with an interesting affection
0: Hmm.
1: not with a distancing but rather with a come close Mm -hmm. Um, try to discover who people are by asking questions rather than making exclamations rather than me saying this is me, listen to me I wanna find out who are you hear them Uh, realise that in the same way that You know, we touch this table, we've left our DNA on it, our DNA is on this chair, everywhere we go we leave something of ourselves. Mm. So what is it we leave people with? And he taught me to understand that, that uh, not every human encounter is going to be beautiful and generous, sometimes they're a bit aggressive, sometimes they're a bit tense because life isn't always beautiful and easy, but what if we could aim to leave people? with an impression that we wanted to bless them, rather than we wanted to take advantage of them. And if we could bless them, that might mean we just support them in the drama they're in. Or it could mean we help them to make a connection to somebody else.
0: Mm.
1: One of the things he said to me was, learn how to give your friends away. So build networks where people can gain the benefit of other people's connections. And so we're constantly benefiting one another. And then the belief point was a really important one, because he showed me something very important from a question that was asked of Jesus and recorded in the Gospels in John chapter 6 verse 28. And a whole lot of important religious leaders came up to him and they said, Come on, what is it God wants us to do so that we can be acceptable? They called it the works of God. What are the works of God? And Jesus' response was, believe in the one that God has sent and that really shocked them because what they wanted to know was how much money do I have to give away, what good deeds must Mm. I perform, who have I got to go and please, what position must I have in society to be worth it, Uh, how do I make myself look good and Jesus says believe and so to believe is to bring alive a very real and vivid part of ourselves that you cannot, you cut me to pieces, cut you to pieces, we cannot find our belief. In the same ways we can't find our imagination, neither can we find our intentions, nor can we find our enthusiasms. There's whole lots of us that are just invisible, but they're so real, so real, and our belief is very, very, very real and I've chosen since, well actually since the age of 14 to believe. Mm, That's
0: powerful, very powerful. Stories that you can remember so vividly, like it was. Even existed. though I'm so old, yeah. <laughs> I'm not saying that. On this topic of belief, um, you instill instill a lot of belief in your mentees, and mm. you have over a hundred mentees. Mm. Um, and I was thinking, what sentence just dis- can describe the impact that you've made on me? Um, It took me ages to get to this one, but I've got something that almost captures it. And it goes like this. JFK JFK said, very few of us have the greatness to bend history itself through repeated small acts of differences daily. So I feel, not just in my life, but many other brothers uh, in their lives and your mentees, you've been able to affect our past and our present so that when, we go in, when we're in, in the future time, 10, 20 years from now, our history has been bent because of you. Um, and you've made those changes, not because you've given some people jobs or you're able to attend their weddings or, and that sort of stuff, more so the small acts of making sure that I'm all right, making sure that you call me on my birthday, or you message me, um, making sure that uh, if I have a concern or I, or I have a, a small problem about about work or health or anything like that, you're always there and you're, you're only one call away. So, how do you, how do you, why do you do that? That's, <laughs> the, that's the question, why do you do that? Uh, and how do you do that?
1: Mm. Well, that's very kind you to say what you said and I'm glad you said that, rather than you've been a real pain in th- <laughs> No, of course not Demanded things of me I couldn't possibly do! Um, wh- why do I do that? Because um, I realised that I grew up with a, a great mum and a great dad although my father died when I was 16 in a car accident um, There were things that my father taught me very directly, my brother and I had the Uh, We didn't see it as a privilege at the time, but I get it now, Hmm. of our father reading us an important poem, Rudyard Kipling's If, every single Sunday. And the principles contained in there are all about how to mature and to grow. And a mother who was abundantly sacrificial, and we were educated extremely well and given all the opportunities that education could provide. We travelled the world and we saw things and had adventure. Um, we lived uh, well and we lived sometimes with the struggle of life. Mm. And, and I got to see all of that and to emerge through it feeling uh, happy, wholesome um, and contented and uh, I'm, I'm not, I hope other people don't think I'm materialistic in the sense that I don't want things, I have to have things. We all have to have something, yeah, yeah. but uh, I don't want lots of things. So, what I learned was goodness me, I began to realize that there were whole layers of people, uh, particularly amongst young black men and women, who don't s- see life with that freedom, haven't felt the freedom of all that backing and support and enabling and connecting. And I had that. So, I want to kind of teach it, share it spend time with you and with others to say how can I bless you, walk with you in this journey of transformation, mm. think about your future, um, is the wisdom I've gained over these 60 plus years that is something which you can just take a nugget and go and make the nugget work for you? Are uh, or, or there books I can recommend to you? So it's a, it's a kind of journey of releasing. You know, having gone through a, a long life of watching life in every corner of the world uh, at the heights of business, at the lows of communities yeah. you know, in the dust, I never forget sitting goodness me sitting in, literally in the dust, in a suit in Darwin, in Northern Australia um, alongside some Aboriginal leaders uh, Aboriginal men there were no ma- women, they were standing in the outer circle but the men were sitting like a council in this, literally in the, in the dust in the ground, and they asked me to come and sit with them. So I sat and I listened to, this is a, you know, the Aboriginal first Australians, as they now call them, the people who were there way before the white people came. These first Australians have been there thousands of years, mm. and they have wisdom from the earth. And I saw something in that, which I thought, I want to give that to you. Mm. What's the wisdom I've seen? And can I share it with you and if you want to take something of it then you take from it and if you don't want to then we just carry a journey on as far as we can go and I hope what we can do is continuously go round and upwards recognizing that uh, uh, none of us is sitting in a place where we're resolved yeah. but we're all on a journey of progression so as long as we keep progressing upwards but always keep an eye and a hand on where the next person is. Take somebody with you on that. And people did that for me, and you know, I, I was blessed to have. I was blessed to have a number of uh, major general in the army, major general Sir John Nelson, wonderful man. Anthony, I've, <coughs> I've mentioned another brother called Michael Fenton-Jones, uh, dear friend Tom Benyon, and my dear friend Jay John. I mean, so many others. Andy Corley, these men who have mentored me over a two generations and I've realised the power of that so I want to give it back and you're very receptive <laughs> <laughs> So
0: what, one, one of the point, or oh, part of the podcast is also to um, there's going to be a lot of young people listening to this and mm. I'm conscious that I want to help young people who are going into the workforce, equip them with something Mm. and part of this conversation will help them demystify Mm. how to be themselves. Um, So, was there ever a point where you realised that you no longer needed to be somebody else but you can be yourself? Was there a particular story, particular moment that you thought, wait a minute, I don't need to be this X or Y, I've now realised I can just be myself? That doesn't have to be when you were young, it could be later on in life, it could
1: be any point. It's a great question because um, I think that the education and the caring and the home that our parents gave my brother and I meant that we, um, we didn't struggle with believing in the possible. But rather we were convinced that the possible would be the inevitable. My father was born in Angola in extreme, in a place of extreme health disaster and poverty. He ended up at Edinburgh University doing medicine and then becoming a dental surgeon. He then moved from Edinburgh to Jamaica where he met my mother who was a poor woman who never worked from, and she was as she would call herself, the bastard child of a Panamanian father. And a half Ghanaian mother. So that's the background. Not not special privilege, but vivid, open minds. And what I saw in both mum and dad, because of their um, the pressures under which they were born and brought up was don't make excuses. Mm. Don't make excuses and raise objections and continue to seek options out. Instead be thrilled that you've got a day in which you can do something useful. And then you'll have another one tomorrow, and then another one the next day, and hopefully the next week will be useful too. And you just carry on with this sense of the positive. So, the, ju- the journey of life has been about believing in the possible, always. And the, there was a particular moment when, so I was a school teacher, and there was a particular moment when the phone rang it was 1986. And on the end of the phone was somebody who was working with the Prime Minister in Number 10 Downing Street. And they rang and they asked me to come in and meet the Prime Minister. And I'm going, what? Why me? And the why me was because I was available, I was willing, they were looking for someone black, (laughs) it helped. Yep. Uh, they wanted somebody who would relate to other people I was open to possibilities so here was I with a two2 from a university a college I mean not a brilliant degree um, My father had long died uh, my mother is living in the Caribbean um, uh, I'm trying to make life work as a school teacher and I'm asked to go and do this significant role of transformation in broken communities just like that. And so I realized that that, at that moment, I remember after that phone call thinking, hmm, so it isn't all about qualifications. And it isn't all about seeking status. And it isn't all about money. It is all about willing. Am I willing? And if I'm willing, am I prepared to invest this quantum of the mind, to learn, to develop skills, to watch, to absorb, uh, to practice effective principles, to put into the discipline of my being what is needed to achieve the outcome that benefits the other. Mm -hmm. I had to think differently, Mm -hmm. and if I was willing to think differently, uh, I could
0: do dramatic things. That's amazing and what age were you 26 20. so if you could cast your mind back f- just five years before that 21 what would you what would you have t- told your younger self as advice and i say 21 because at that age most people are leaving university thinking about careers wanting to figure out uh, what career path to choose going into work workforces and in the workplace and, and really starting their adulthood and their independence. So, at that age, well, what advice would you give yourself now mm. that you've you've
1: been through that that period? Well, I actually do get asked very often to, what advice would you give twenty-one year olds? And yeah. I say the same three things. Yeah. So I'm going to say them to you and to anyone who's listening to this. And I've said the same three things for the last pretty much forty something years. Um, number one. Begin your, begin your working life, at whatever point that is, with a mindset orientated to be a giver. Uh, the culture is about work and get, uh, keep and own, buy and possess, show and tell. And I believe that it should be about enjoy and support Give and give again. Look out for the vulnerable and the weak ones. Empower others to appreciate their day. So I say give, number one. Start giving and don't stop giving. Number two, you better make sure that the privileges that an educated person gets a higher income maybe a job with a nice office, a good chair, and a decent computer, and a view out of some glassy window. You better make sure that you have enough in you to connect with people who don't have that privilege. Mm. So spend time with people who are not where you are. And the third thing, choose to live as simply as you can. Because that way, you can acquire the really important assets of life. If we just spend on things that are short term, but not on the most critical economic asset that every individual needs in this environment is to is property, and the only way we're going to acquire property is to save towards the deposits and the purchase. So that means we can't be frivolous, yep. we don't need mm. undue and unnecessary holidays. We've got to commit time to the structure to achieve the deposit necessary to maintain the mortgage. Mm. So think about hard assets, and but think about soft qualities, generosity, mm. compassion, uh, permanence of commitment, a desire to understand where the other person is, and the giving mindset. Mm. Nice solid free. I like it. Um,
0: you've uh, everyone has fears um, and everyone has challenges and part of the podcast is to um, speak out about those fears and, and demystify uh, what it means to be a leader um, and present a real person so, what fears have you had to overcome during your career?
1: Well, first of all, um my dear beloved older brother who is an academic has always said to me, Michael you've never had a career. And in that sense of the word he's right because I've just done a tonne of different things. I've been a school teacher, I've been a government strategist, uh, I've been a news reporter, I've been a presenter for television, uh, I've been a lobbyist, um, I've been a, uh, an activist, uh, a communitarian, uh, a university leader, uh, school governor. School go- I mean, oh boy! Yes. So, uh, I suppose what I'm saying in that is that um, I've not had what you call a career, mm. but I would call it a career because it, after all, I've had a, I've had an array of very 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 rich experiences. And. I don't worry about it now, but the only thing I ever used to worry about was am I going to get found out that I'm just a generalist with no detail, Hmm. as if I'm not an auditor and I'm not a commercial business player, but I understand an awful lot about the processes involved in both of those two things. Hmm. I'm not a psychologist or a pharmacist, but I get it when it comes to medicine and medical conditions and I think I understand a lot about how people feel and think so as a generalist people say, but what are you? because everybody loves to add a tag, you're a doctor, you're a physician mm. you're a psychologist or you're a mechanic, you're an engineer, you're a data Accountant, yeah. Accountant <laughs> a tax advisor, a yeah. strategist they love these phrases and mm-hmm. the truth is we love them too but I can't say that I am any one thing other than I can say I have an array of experiences from education, to business, to community, to politics, to leadership and I'll display, deport, use whatever the skill is that is necessary at the moment for the moment and when it's right I'll drag it out the back of my mind
0: Mm. and how have you managed to make yourself feel confident about the fact that you're none of that, but you are a journalist, or you are you know, the person that you think you are, rather than the person that you think others think you are.
1: I think because, um, again going back to my beloved brother, friend Anthony and the other brothers who helped to mentor me my early years, is they said to me something which (coughs) I've tried to teach you and many others is relationships really matter and if you build bonds of relationship Mm. with people, I saw a quote the other day from Theon Haig who said, this is William Haig's wife, who said, learn to communicate in questions Mm. not in exclamations. So if we're curious about people, I want to know more about how you're feeling, thinking, doing, pursuing. Where's life taking you? Tell me the detail. Somebody said to me, today uh, they were they were a bit taken aback that I listened to them for so long. And I think it's really important. So you listen to people, mm. ask questions, listen to people, be curious. Therefore, you make great relationships. And if you make great relationships, they got your back. When things go down, they got your back. Yeah. When you need them to be there, they're there because they're interested in in continuing to secure this relationship. They value you, you value them. And that means that you can be comfortable in your skin where you are where you feel you want to be because you know there's a whole bulk of people who value treasure, love
0: and honor you yeah And, and I'm reflecting because like even for my, for myself, I find it difficult sometimes to To not put myself in a box and and say I'm this or I'm that because sometimes people might say you're an accountant or you're a consultant or you're this and that but I I, typically I don't I don't think I am one of those Mm. um but I still struggle because I go into work or I go into places and people assume that I am that person and then I try to adopt the the skills and the capabilities Mm. and and the personas of that particular person and then Mm. sometimes I lose myself I I forget my identity Mm. um and, and, and it's, it's nice to hear from you that, you've, you've kept that core value of knowing who you are and knowing that in the long run, it will work out. It um, will. And it'll work out. It will.
1: And, and, and don't think, especially in today's world, where it's not about being single job focused. Mm. You'll do an array of different jobs in your lifetime. You know You're in your early 20s now and you know, you're going to be in your 60s and probably do, this is the estimate, mm. probably do 20 different jobs because you'll be able to flex so well and you can apply so many skills in different directions. Mm. So the old concept of the career which was a straight year, you know, I, I went there, I stayed there for 35 years is very rare now. Yeah, People are multifunctional. Mm. And But isn't that part of the joy of a learning environment and a culture which allows us to move around sometimes come back but move around and grow
0: Mm. um a question here i've got was around uh i guess setbacks when you've had setbacks how did you overcome how did you challenge yourself to get back on track because a lot life isn't a straight line life is up and down Um, emotions are up and down uh your mindset is up and down. So how how do you what, what 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 resources do you use? Who do you go to when you're feeling down because we all have those moments. Um, and as a leader because we don't we don't often talk about uh, in our sad moments. Uh, we don't we're not as vulnerable in our uh, publicly. So h- how do you go about the, the times where you do feel not at your best and and what what do you do to get back on track?
1: Well, um, I think it's important to begin every day with gratitude. Mm. And I do, um, it's important, some people call it meditation, other people would call it prayer. Uh, I want to, and I, I do pray, seek the truth that I've discovered in the New Testament and the Old Testament. Uh, you know, these are words ascribed over thousands of years that contain wisdom and truth in them. So I want to feed my mind with truth, Mm. and I also want to be in the presence of God, and also in my soul. So it's important to begin a day with confidence, and that confidence comes from gratitude, it comes from realizing the joys that are set before you, the things you've got to do, they might be irritating, complicated, but those are the things you've got to do, so thank God for them. Mm. Get on with it, get in with it. Um, yes, setbacks because we all have to work with others and we've got to go with the wharf of demands and you know, none of us is, as we often say, an island to ourselves and you know, even the bosses of the biggest companies have got people around them who are saying legally that, communications the following, won't mm, work well, 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 that person doesn't agree, you've always got the mm. around you. So working with people, collaborating um, <coughs> and it's important to have a mindset that says, whatever is not achieved today, might be tried tomorrow. Mm. And if it's not achieved tomorrow, you could try it again the next day. You know, Thomas Edison, who created the light bulb, so that we literally see the light in a building, said that he he'd hadn't failed, he had just found ten thousand ways not to do it. Mm. And I think that's fascinating. We haven't failed, we've just found a whole ton of ways to do it differently. And if we have a mindset that says, ultimately, I'll, I'll crack this. Hmm. So I'm not giving up till I do. I'm gonna crack it. And if it takes me all of life to make a meaningful difference to a community of people, then I'm gonna do that for all of life to make that difference. Hmm. Um, you and I are believers of Jesus
0: Christ. How has Jesus's life impacted your life? Hmm.
1: Well, I, <clears throat> I think one of my favourite most important descriptions in the book of John where John his close disciple follower writes these words, Jesus knowing where he had come from i.e. the creator of all things the Son of God knowing where he'd come from and knowing where he was going to as in he's about to get crucified and die rise again and go back to be with his Father, the creator of all things hmm. knowing where he'd come from, knowing where he was going to got up from the table found a towel a bowl of water got down on his knees and washed his disciples' feet you see he was certain I know where I've been I know who I am and I know where I'm going so the task ahead of me is to bless those around me Uh, I like
0: that, very simple as well, it's a simple message and it's clear mm. and that's helped you with your mission statement and it ties in with your vision. So how do you, how do you unlock your own vulnerability? Because it is difficult for people who are not vulnerable, people who think power means to to be strong and to, to not talk about your fears and uh, 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 yeah uh, and that image of like I'm um, superior but truly the the real essence of power in my opinion is to be is, is, is strength through vulnerability so how do you unlock your vulnerability um, when 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 faced
1: with life well you know thank goodness you and I now live in an era where people will talk about mental health, openly their struggles with mental health Mm. where people who have been afflicted with uh, a limb loss maybe through a bomb uh, or as a result of war or because of a severe sickness Mm. uh, or disability can now feel as equally participant in society than previously where they had to be hidden away Uh, Thank goodness we live in a society now where we can acknowledge that some people, children and adults, have special needs, Mm. dyslexia and dyspraxia. These were alien words in the 70s, they're now common practice. So in other words, nobody's afraid to say, I feel anxious and screwed up and life is turbulent and thank goodness we live in an, an age now where we can do that. Uh, And We've seen the most um, brilliant of sports leaders cry publicly and princes talk of the loss of their mother and the agony that that has meant for them as individuals Mm. Uh, and seeing people at the helm of business step away for a year because they need to kind of sort out the stress in their spirit. This is wonderful because it does mean that I can tell you, you can tell me, that life doesn't feel good right now. I, I'm, I'm battling with an emotion, or struggling with a fear, or I'm thinking things about myself which are kind of like old and I could have let go of them ages ago, or you know, worrying about a child or, or a prospect, or and that vulnerability is acceptable, mm. that's great, our society wants us all to be tolerant of each other and inclusive of each other, that means that however you present and however I present that's
0: fine Um, we're coming nearly to the end of our interview I, know, I want to I normally end my interviews with this particular question you mm. might you might need some time to think about it um, your answer, so the question is so I don't get it wrong how would you define your leadership style?
1: Maybe, maybe three, maybe four things. Um, number one: listen to people give you, listen to people giving you a perspective. So you've set out a vision for for change. I've set out a vision for change, mm. or to do something, to achieve an objective. Therefore, then listen to people's challenge to that. As long as the challenge is constructive, and it's about enabling the vision to go forward, listen attentively. Mm. I think leadership starts with listening. Uh, Engage others in the journey, you know I built a team within the business in KPMG and the other places where I am, built teams of people who can deliver things without me being there. Mm. As long as you set the why, you know the why is really important, if people know Well, why is that important? oh, so that's what we need to do. So always explain the why. Be clear about the why. So listen hard, be clear about the why, and explain the why. Thirdly, go do it yourself. You know, it's... um, When the Queen has a state banquet, she checks the knives and the forks the plates and the glasses around that banqueting table before her guests come. Mm. The highest person possible in a business or an organisation must be involved in the basics. It's really important. If you get to the point where everything is done for you and you never have to do anything, you never engage anything yourself, you become totally disconnected with reality. So Be connected to reality, do it yourself. I think, <clears throat> fourthly persist in the purpose you set out. Life is full of naysayers. Can't happen, won't happen. You won't achieve it, they won't support you, it's not a great idea. There's no money, no strategy. Uh, that's too difficult. It'll take too long. Is it worth it? Yeah. Oh there's always naysayers, right? mm-hmm. oh! Which the answer is, if I can, I will. I'd love you to join me but if you don't, I'm going anyway.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. We must do this because it's important. It's vital to show the best of ourselves. This big purpose to which we're driven, this invigorates, energises and empowers me. And I'd love you to share that.
0: I love that, I love that. Uh, Is there any questions you have for me before we finish the interview cos I often, I I don't don't want it to feel like it's just me asking you loads of loads of questions, if there was one question um, you wanted to ask me, feel free, if there's not, no worries. Do you think it's cool not to wear a tie? Ah well, my previous interview I didn't wear one so I thought let me just continue this trend (laughs) but I didn't know it would affect this interview that much. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe I should. Do you you think it adds to the whole con like where we are, the scene, my professionalism? Like, what does it add to the interview? I don't get it. I just (laughs) want to see what color
1: you chose. (laughs) (laughs) There we have it.
0: Thank you very much, guys. You're great, Ollie. Thank you. Uh, I'll I'll leave it. Um, How did you think that
1: went? Fantastic. I loved it. It's nice to talk about stuff, me and what I think and feel. Yeah, because like, I love it. it's it been a long time coming,
0: we've yeah. known each other a couple of years and uh, you know, I've always wanted to find the right questions for you um, and uh, I'm really happy that you agreed to it but mm. also that um, we can share a bit of the nuggets and the stories, the powerful stories that you mentioned um, so that people can take their truths um, a- and use it in their lives practically, mm. that's really important. Mm. Um, and and hopefully you know we can be disruptive and we can give people some food for thought Mm. um, and and hearing it from yourself as well is is amazing because they know it's real, they know it's authentic and and hopefully we can change just one person to believe that number one that they can be who they want to be, two that they don't have to listen to naysayers and three you know to, to not lose themselves like they don't have to be a particular person you can be a journalist you can be whatever you want but just to Be clear on that. So thank you for sharing and yeah, we're probably late for the next meeting. So that's it. (laughs) Thank Thank you. you. Well done. Well done.